M&K Talk YA now presents Illuminae, Part 1, from the Illuminae Files, by Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff. everyone to another episode of M&K Talk YA, a podcast where we talk all about young adult fiction. I'm Katie Bradford. And I'm Marissa Snyder. And this week we started a new trilogy called The Illuminae Files. So the first one is Illuminae and it's by Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff. And this is the first book we've read that's co-authored. Yeah, that was actually a really cool experience. But for those of you who are reading along, if you haven't read to Countdown to Lincoln Interception of Alexander Fleet, Zero Hours, Zero Minutes, we kind of just spoiled something small for you, but also, <laughs> stop listening. That's where we read to. <laughs> Man, we left off at like the worst place. I mean, kind of the best place, but also the worst place because I... Total cliffhanger. I know. It was torture not being able to keep reading because I think literally the last words we read were all personnel brace for impact and then it was like we, the end for us. and we don't even know like we've got all these like half-baked plans that we're hoping will be finished in time that are you know like we don't even know if they're ready no it's not like okay here like this is about to go like let's go it's like we're just trying to scramble and now time is up and there's so much at stake like <laughs> i'm kind of hopeful because there's still two and a half books like hopefully not everyone is dead at least i mean like you know <laughs> hopefully some people will be left after this encounter with yeah. lincoln <laughs> oh okay so where do we yeah. want to start with this okay should we like back up should we talk about the authors and the like story <laughs> yeah. like the book style cuz it's also it's a really cool book style i'm like very intrigued by just the general mystery from the beginning so it's essentially this whole thing is like a collection of documents and evidence and things found online and speeches emails. and emails and IM messages and, like, and yeah. official documents and plans and whatnot. That have stuff crossed out. Yeah, that have all been compiled chronologically to kind of tell the story about what happened. But we don't even know like the situation that made us go and compile all this stuff in the first place. I know. And and I think that like threw me a little bit when I started reading because at first I was like completely overwhelmed and probably because also <laughs> I'm reading this on my Kindle, which is not the best format admittedly. But Books are when better. I first started reading it, I was like, <laughs> yeah, in this case, they really are. They There was just so much to put together and to process. And at first I was just like, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to follow this. And I, I like my I took so many notes because I wasn't sure what was important and what was not going to yeah. be important. Well, it would be like I'm just imagining like getting like a fi- like a legitimate file folder and like spreading these documents everywhere and like these <laughs> yeah. paper clips with people's notes on them and stuff because you know they like kind of introduce some of the stuff with like whoever sent this file originally her team or his team's you know briefing mm-hmm. notes to kind of put some context around and I'm just like picturing that in my mind while I'm reading it's fun yeah and like now that I'm halfway through it 
like I'm, I'm into the groove. I'm, I figured it out. And it is a ton of fun because it makes me feel like a detective. Like yeah. we always joke about how we wish we were detectives. Yeah. And I really do feel like I'm going through these case notes, like trying to piece together what's happening based on all this evidence. And it's, it's such a unique way to read a book. It is. It is really cool. I'm enjoying it a lot. And it's cool. I, I do like the idea that it, is, that it is co-authored. I wish that I could have learned more about their writing process. And I'm so disappointed because Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff were in Chicago this past weekend and I went back to Pittsburgh and missed them. And I was so upset because I was like, <laughs> I was so curious about how two people come together to write a book. Like, and just, do you, do you write portions of it? Do you like come together and write it together? Like, I was just so curious. So I read a little bit about like some interviews with them or them talking about stuff. And I don't, you know this, I might as well tell our listeners, I had kind of a crazy week that involved a trip to the ER and still running tests to figure out what's wrong with me. But um, I read, first of all, that they were friends first. So they're both independent, successful authors who like hang out at the pub. Okay, that helps. And they were kind of kicking around this idea of a book that was written purely in email. Mm -hmm. Or I think one of them, I think Amy maybe had a dream about a book that was written purely in email that they wrote together. And that's like where this idea came from. And then they like kind of were talking about it more and they were like, oh, like this might actually work. We could do this. And I think they each picked an initial character. Like I think one of them was Katie and one of them was Ezra kind of to start. And then like they've acquired additional characters or points of view, you know, as they've added people throughout. But I think, I think that's what they were saying. Oh, that's fun. That they each were responsible for kind of like developing a character. Well, I, I read that they are coming out with a new series that they're writing together too. Oh, cool. And so that made me happy because I was like, okay, if you wanted to do another series, obviously this one went well. Because I, I don't know, you always, it's always so curious when you hear about friends who decide to come together and like do a creative project. And I mean, I think ours is working out really well, but like, yeah. I don't know. I always get so curious, like, how do you deal with any conflict? Or, like, what if one person has an idea and the other person's like, no, I'm totally not on board with that. Like, and you want the direction of the plot to go somewhere and the other person disagrees. Like, how do you resolve that and, like, still stay friends and (laughs) want to do it again? I have two things. One is a personal story and one is a little bit more of an interview that I found about them. Which would you like to hear first? Oh, um, interview. Okay, so... She, this is an interview with Amy. She said they do most of their brainstorming at the pub and they plot about 100 pages at a time. Whoa. So then they divide up the writing according to which character seems the most appropriate to narrate the event. So that's, again, where they each took a particular protagonist. So Jay writes Ezra's character primarily and Amy writes Katie's character primarily. Mm. And then as the rest of the cast kind of comes alive, they said, if you pick the right partner, it's actually surprising how smoothly you can work together. It's so much fun opening the document to find out what your characters were up to while they were in the co-author's hands, <laughs> which I think would also be interesting. Like, think about how much you kind of, like, own your characters, but people also say they have a life of their own, right? And then, like, to actually have them, like, go and do stuff that you didn't necessarily know or plan. <laughs> that would be fun because, like, because you hear authors say things like when they create characters and then they kind of set them loose into the fandom and fans come up with ideas for things that their characters mm-hmm. do and it kind of, like becomes out of your hand and a lot of authors have said like they love seeing what the fans do with their characters after they're finished writing about them so it's mm-hmm. kind of like 
I guess that would kind of be like the same thing. Getting to do that back and forth. Yeah. yeah, she said, there's always someone to suggest new and exciting twists to what you're writing. And then you get to read parts of the story you never even wrote yourself. She said, that's kind of magic to see the manuscript that you sent off to your co-author come back and be like, hey, there's more book in here. <laughs> yeah. I, I really liked the podcast Wormwood that came out like years and years ago. And it's co-author too and the authors were talking about like different things that they would just throw in randomly and one of the co-authors just one day was like oh yeah this character who's been around for ages he has a quirk where he likes to draw people sitting on toilets and they were just like um okay <laughs> like she just threw in all this like <laughs> random side stories and like just for fun and i think when they were even writing like scenes between katie and ezra they'd start with they're going to have a fight in this scene. And then they just kind of ad-lib back and forth. And so they'd like already be like the same way the characters kind of surprise each other. They'd be surprising each other. Oh, I love that. They must be such good friends. It must be such a blast to do it. But I, I think that it's good that it's so structured. Like they have certain things that they that they are set in place. Like this is how we do it. Because otherwise I imagine it could just be like total chaos. Well, and you would just think writing is such a creative process. Kind of to your point earlier about creative dual projects. Like... Everyone's does it probably so differently. Like, how do you kind of strike that balance between, like, being true to yourself and your writing style, but, like, letting someone else into it, it. you know, in on it and, you know, respecting their process. And also just, like, sharing stuff that you've done with other people is so tough, you know? Like, yeah, there's no, no more vulnerable of a feeling than, like, sharing something you've written with a friend. Like, ooh, that is... I get such anxiety about that agreed me too well what was the other one so when I was like uh probably like eight to ten my cousin who lives in DC I'm actually visiting her soon we'd see her like once or twice a year and we would always have these like first of all she's the one we'd always like write plays and put them on and try and make money off my parents oh yeah but we used to write these stories and we'd like email each other back and forth different chapters and we would just we would have two going at the same time so that each of us could be writing a chapter and then we'd like email it and switch stories or something oh my god and it'd always be like two girls as the main protagonist and one of us would tell so it's kind of a similar idea every other chapter would be from a different point of view you know the other girl's point of view so we each had our own character's point of view to tell it from but we never we they all got like three or four chapters and then we'd be like here's a new idea did you ever finish your story no I actually still, like I've been like, meaning to go and find one of them and like bring it with me next week and see if we get any further or just pick one and be like let's have a goal to finish this by the end of the year or whatever yeah. again we were pretty young I don't even know if she yeah. was that into it or if I was like here you have to do this because I'm the older one and like you know, <laughs> but yeah Toby has found a squeaky toy <laughs> oh hi Toby I-, I thought that was him whining no oh <laughs> He's really going to town on it. Was it his Easter toy? No, actually. He already destroyed all of his Easter toys. One of his Easter toys was actually a toy that he had previously destroyed and was eating, like, the inside of, but was really cute and he loved it. So we put it up, like, this is like when he was a puppy. We put it up, and recently he's just been having fun, like, pulling all the fluff out of toys, but not actually ingesting them. Okay, well, that's good. So he just, like, (laughs) likes to destroy things. So he found it in the pantry like a couple days before Easter because that's where we have all those extra dog toys. And I was like, oh, he does love this one. So I gave it back to him for Easter and he <laughs> tore it apart. And I was like, okay, it's, I saw him get his Easter basket and it's been one day. <laughs> yeah. So that is impressive. <laughs> He's already destroyed all of them. Yeah. He His favorite toy right now, I don't know if you've seen, it's like a plush roll of toilet paper. <laughs> and for, he like... 
he doesn't play with himself very well that often. Like, he always wants us to play tug-of-war or toss or something. But with this toilet paper <laughs> fluff thing, he, like, loses his mind and goes crazy. And he just, like, tries to stick his nose in it because it's got, like, a hole in the middle. And just it's just so funny to watch him, like, run around with this roll of toilet paper for, like, an hour. It's such a strange dog toy. <laughs> He loved it so much, I got him, like, like because we got him the checkout line for, like, a dollar, you know, yeah. like, like, they always get you. And I was like, oh, okay, one more thing for his birthday, and it was his favorite gift, so Aww. we've gotten him a few now. <laughs> do you ever take him to the dog store and let him pick out his own toys? Because I let Banjo do we that. D- <laughs> yeah, so we do. <laughs> we do. Except sometimes he's, like, uninterested in all the toys and just wants to play with the dogs, oh. so then I pick out what I want. <laughs> oh, no. Banjo doesn't care about the dogs. She's, like, all about the toys. <laughs> Although, I, I washed all of her toys today. And she, the look she gave me when she went to her basket and just everything was clean, it was just like. I worked so hard on this. Yeah, she was it. so mad at me. <laughs> she was just so affronted that I like washed all of her possessions. That's so funny. But yeah. Well, all right. Well, that was a nice little <laughs> dog, dog side, sidebar. Yeah. Okay, so should we go back to planets being destroyed and... Viruses being unleashed. And intelligent, artificial intelligence turning against us and all kinds of stuff is going on. Yeah, okay. So, all right, let's set the scene. So, Katie is on Hypatia. Yep. The research vessel. Ezra is on the Alexander. They were rescued after Baytech? Baytech? Yeah. Drop missiles on their planet. Carenza, the Carenza colony. And now Lincoln is chasing them because Alexander kind of witnessed Baytech's attack. They were the only ones who like got the SOS or whatever. Right. And now they're like witnesses mm-hmm. to their evil. So they're chasing them down to destroy them. And like part of the complication is the Carenza colony was illegal. So they like don't have a lot of people who know they're even out there who are supposed to be doing this and they can't really properly complain basically. Right. And so this alternate corporation came and destroyed them thinking you can't really complain if you're not legal in the first place. Mm-hmm. But yeah, now they're trying to get rid of the witnesses. Okay, I really love how there is this crazy interstellar war going on that's very serious. But then on the other side, we have two angsty teenagers who just broke up with each other and who are like, <laughs> yeah. acting very much like an adolescent would. And I love that juxtaposition of very serious and then just completely oblivious. Yeah, and like, even when they're trying to like be mature or like deal on, like they can't completely let go of the fact that they like, you know, had this big fight at age 17 with their first serious <laughs> significant other and like what that means for them. And then on top of that, they've, like, lost their whole family, so. <laughs> I know. And, but, like, I love when Katie rescues Ezra in her, in her truck, and she picks him up, and, like, he's bleeding all over the place, and she's like, I'm not talking to you, by the way. I'm, I'm rescuing you, but I'm not talking to you. <laughs> and it's just, like, so classic teenager. <laughs> and I even like when they're, like, getting along again, but then, like, one of them will bring up something about the big fight, yeah. like, and then it's like, uh, it's still too soon or too close to home or whatever. Like, or like he drunk emails her, and it's oh, I loved yeah. that email because it was so it was so formal, which made me laugh so hard because I have a friend here, and we always laugh that whenever we get drunk, we get very formal for some reason, and I'd, like to compensate to like prove you're not yes, drunk, you like yes, 
over yeah. we like completely overcompensate and we're, and it's like and i'll be ready to go to bed and i'm like it is time for me to retire now <laughs> and he does the same thing and the email was so funny because he was like i wish you would have just said a simple i do not wish to speak to you good sir <laughs> he was like this is shabby treatment madam barely <laughs> it was so funny I even, like, again, we don't know who, like, this is part of some official investigation or whatever. And, like, they're, like, bantering back and forth. Yeah. And, like, I love how they are, like, setting up mailboxes to communicate. And they could be shot for espionage during a wartime mission. So they set up a mailbox to maintain highly illegal ship-to-ship communications during a period of covert interstellar war, and then they're using it to send pictures of, like, just word drawings, like roses and, like, hearts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the rose, yeah. The sheep, yeah. And I also love how, like, with everything that's in here, like, all of the just, like, random cursing is censored out. (laughs) Right, right. Because God forbid we say a swear word, even though like people are dying horrifically. Yeah. And that, like, that's another funny thing about censoring. It's almost like it's more obvious. Like it almost draws more attention to it because you see this yeah. big black rectangle in the middle of the page or whatever. And you're like trying to fill in the gaps and you're like, oh, I know what they said. <laughs> yeah. So the other thing that is kind of interesting and also a little confusing is like there's all this hacking going on. So they're like yeah. installing these what was it, like the the leech thing that she was trying to set up just so she could kind of spy on the other ship. Um, mm-hmm. But it was tough because, like, I don't know anything about computers. Just going to throw that out there. So, like, they would describe these intense hacking things they were doing. Oh, it was an interface leech that, that she was attaching. And I was just like, okay, sure, that sounds great. Like, I don't know enough to question if this stuff is actually make sense or not but i'm kind of just going with it well one of my favorite parts actually was what whichever person on this investigation team had to analyze the videos of the two of them (laughs) doing like actual physical espionage you know and like she's like amazing and like jumps up and down and like he's like so impressed and like in his nose like a spider yeah it's like crazy she's like hanging from the ceiling at one point and then like while watching ezra's video it's sort of like how did this guy pull this off he's the worst at this i've ever seen like how did he not get caught like i just love the different tone between those two as well oh my gosh me too they were like sarcastically calling him like ultra agent zero and like oh look at this astro ninja and he's just completely (laughs) just by blind luck manages to get it installed he's totally crap at it i love that scene too yeah it is funny i forget which um so i've done a little bit more with computers i think than you have because i used to be a coder a little bit and i actually did some hacking i was like did a white hat hacking to try to figure out ways to like get into our own site like basically test our own security and if we found anything then we could fix it before like someone took advantage of it kind of thing oh that's cool so I like learned different ways to try to get information like nothing really very good because it was like a week-long course but um it's funny like the things I've learned now like if you are on a website and they have you enter your email and your password or your email first and they'll tell you different things if your password is wrong or if your email doesn't exist Okay. You can do something called email harvesting because What's that? Um, email harvesting is where – so basically, like, if you just type in a bunch of random emails, it'll tell you, like, yes, this email has an account or no, this email doesn't have an account. 
Okay. To like find people who have accounts on that website. Oh. So hypothetically, if I was like a bad person and one of the websites had something like this, I could go and type in random emails and every email that said like, sorry, your password is incorrect, not this email doesn't have an account. I could then create one of those <gasps> phishing emails or, you know, I know yeah. they all have a password on this website and go, sorry, you know, please reset your password here. Or whatever, you know, whatever phishing email I wanted to do using that company. So like Mm -hmm. little things like that, that I like never would have thought about before. Like I learned from this hacking thing. And now when I'm on random websites, I'm like, oh, they, they know my email. They could harvest my email here. that's so creepy. I mean, even if you got someone's email, it doesn't mean that you're gonna, there's a lot more you'd have to know how to do to get into most of these things. But so I was reading, I was fun to read some of the like different I think one of them was like a SQL injection or something when they were listing all the different attempts she had to like try and get into one of the internet things. I was like, I've heard of some of these. I don't really know how to do them, but oh yeah, breach attempt. Um, Let's see, target was this thing, a brute force cascade attack on the data fort. Another one was a access Trojan infiltration on gallery database. And I just remember, I was like, oh, the Trojan thing, like that was something a term I learned in the hacking workshop. <laughs> I don't know. So I didn't really know enough to actually be oh. um, like to really get it. But I was like, oh, yeah, there's but like was different. Yeah. And she was just trying all these different attempts, like kind of co- common ways to try to get into a database or into a, you know, secure server or whatever. Oh, see, I wish I had this background. <laughs> I barely have it. I didn't even really have it. I'm just kind of letting it wash over me. And I'm just like, yeah, sure. All right. They hacked. They got some information. They hacked into the system. They're using the Ann Chow and David Torrance's names and, you know, using their identities. Yeah, my extended, I'm like, I've heard a word like that before. So it's probably used correctly. <laughs> like, that's not, <laughs> that's not really any more knowledge. But it was still, it reminded me of my white hat hacking two days. <laughs> essentially you were lisbeth salander for two days exactly so i was really fascinated with the their ai aiden yeah that went completely rogue yeah what is going on with him i don't know i was so confused because like the alexander fires its missiles at copernicus which is the friendly you know the it's a carrier or something like that right yep then they released documentation saying that Lincoln was the one that brought it down when that's not true. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to figure out like why this AI didn't consult a higher up before issuing this command to attack. And, and it's just so unfair that like um, Ezra's fleets that went against the AI's orders and didn't fire upon all the civilians, they all were court-martialed yeah. and the commanders were shot. Some of them were killed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, they weren't even saying like, no, I refuse to do this. They were like, can we just get yeah. a human to tell us this is actually the plan? Which of course you would do. Like if an, if an artificial intelligence is telling you to shoot on your own civilians, like you would absolutely want to request confirmation from a higher up. Yeah. And your higher up, if they actually wanted that, you would think that they'd make sure to make that known too. Right. Or even if they said, I don't know why, but listen to Aiden or like, I mean, what, like something, you know, they don't even have to be like, yes, we should definitely do this. But if they just tell you like, yes, I know that they're telling you to do that and continue or whatever. I don't know. And I just don't, I really don't trust this David Torrance guy because I'm just like, you really are trying to cover up the fact that your AI has gone rogue and like, this is how drastically you're doing it. Like, yeah, it's, it's insane. But the AI also seems kind of smart because if this is like some crazy disease, which it sounds like, okay, here's where I was kind of yeah, confused. That's true. This is like near the halfway point. So maybe I'm still jumping ahead a little bit, but so... Katie's mom was like an epidemiologist or something. Mm -hmm. 
And she went over to Copernicus when they were first having issues with this thing. Plague. Plague. And Virus. To, to work. Yeah. And she knew kind of that they were having issues and she knew she could help out there. And she said, don't send my daughter here basically to protect her. Yeah. Then Copernicus got shot. Mm-hmm. Everyone who was on board died. But a couple of shuttles made it to this bay. But we think we thought they were all infected. Like, I sort of feel like Katie admitted, like, I know my mom is dead. But then Ezra was sort of like, well, some people, like, I don't know why they suddenly think there's hope for her. Because don't they think she has this, like, terrible disease if she is alive? I think so, but I'm not like, sure. Like, I didn't get what the new piece of information was. Well, I think it's because, so um, Ezra's friend, James McNulty, was sent to try and quell, like, this revolt. That's what they're told that happened in the hangar, right? And he yes. arrives and finds complete chaos. And his commander says, don't let anyone back out who's who doesn't have a hazmat suit on, essentially. To try to contain the virus. And so when yep. James gets stabbed by that girl and his suit's torn. Which was so oh creepy. Gosh. I know. When they go in there and there's just all the bodies, the, he- the headless bodies that are spelled out help us. Oh, mm-hmm. that was so scary. So, yeah. okay. So James... Realized he couldn't leave. So he kind of volunteered, basically. He was like, no, I can't come back with you. I will stay in here. And then they decided to seal off the hangar and let everyone starve to contain the illness. So what I was thinking was maybe they think that Katie's mom is in this hangar with the survivors who are slowly starving to death. And if she has a hazmat suit, maybe she's protected. But she probably... but But I don't know because like... I feel like the whole point of this virus was that it spread so fast and mutated so fast that no one was prepared. Because, like, they, they admitted, like, we did not follow quarantine procedure because it just happened so fast. But I'm wondering if they could get to the people who haven't progressed to the stage where you develop permanent psychosis. Maybe there's something they can do to reverse it. Okay, because here's where after she sends Ezra the stuff and they're talking... He says something like, Jesus, she might still be alive. And Katie says, if she's alive and insane, I'd rather think she was dead. Yeah. Um, But then he says, like, hold up. I'm checking something. Yeah, I thought so. In this report you sent me, the AAR from McCall, she talks about seeing something in the windows of the shuttles in Bay 4, but Sigma Squad never got close enough to check it out. So there are still people alive in Bay 4. So is it just that she might still be alive? But again, if she's alive and insane, I'd rather think she was dead. So I'm, I'm just yeah. confused why, like, we always thought there were still people alive. Otherwise, we wouldn't care about keeping it sealed Nearby. off and starving yeah. them. So I'm just kind of confused. Like, what, like, what are they going to do? What, what about seeing, she talks about seeing something in the windows of the shuttles. Like, if there was someone in the window, that would mean they're okay? I, like, I, I just, like, got confused or just... I don't know. Whatever. I guess we'll figure it out. But I mean, I'm glad there's hope. I just didn't really follow that. how that piece of information. Maybe they. she's just excited to see her mom and to see if she's okay or not. Knowing the possibility might be that she's infected. But I don't know. I mean, the whole disease itself is so scary. How it like, like how they name it Phobos and it induces a fear response. And um, it like creates this nameless dread and it makes the victims intentionally seek out loved ones so that it can Mm -hmm. spread the infection like that is horrifyingly genius is like what they describe it i think yeah but it also just seems because it like even if initially it was you know kind of horrifyingly genius any like bioweapon that mutates that quickly it's like you're never gonna 
contain that or keep you know like that's just that's true you know even the people who were trying to clear off the planet or what like i know this is really bad news really bad it's news. so bad and i felt so bad for jimmy when he was like tell ezra no. to name his firstborn after me and oh i liked him i know i did too he was funny and i feel like a lot of people i like are already dead like even yeah. um, uh the other commander on and Chow. Yeah. Yeah, I liked her too. And that whole face-off was so sad because it so did not have to happen. I know. And and, and it was just... Ezra's it, captains and then all the people who just actually died. Yeah, and, and like Anne yeah. Chow's case was such a classic case of like what happens when you force conscript civilians into war, essentially. There was like that rookie who wasn't familiar with the procedures and she, you know... She had like a knee jerk reaction. Yeah, and, and that's—I mean—and I understand. And like, I don't even really like, blame her necessarily because yeah. she was scared. She was trying to do what she thought was right and what, I, like, you know. But yeah, and I oh. loved how how she wouldn't surrender her team when they were going after Byron, and they were like, "I like Byron too. We'll take all of them." <laughs> yeah, I like him yeah. too. Um, because she was such a—I don't know. She was just such such a great, strong lady, and she was like, "We we will not help you unless you can prove to us." that you're not bringing back the AI because when she got all that information, she was just like, we're done. We are not cooperating, yeah. which is the right move. And I don't know what's going to happen now. Well, this goes back to like secrets are bad news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like you can't just keep one commander in the dark about the fact that your AI shot the other ship. <laughs> right. I know. And it weren't, no, they weren't having a relationship. The, the other thing is like all these people are kind of like having covert relationships with one another. Yeah, trying to keep track of, yeah. Because, like, the woman who was... Katie stole the idea of Stephanie to get this intelligence. Oh, and yeah. now Ezra is really angry at her because now Stephanie is, like, being charged for espionage. In trouble. And his friend yeah. has the alibi that she was sleeping with him at the time, so that's why she's innocent. But he can't say anything because that's an offense, too. He's also her commander. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's just, like, amid all of this really serious war stuff is like all these tangled relationships where it's like again it's just like a, a funny kind of pairing well and again even just thinking about because you've got the civilians and the true military people yeah. and all these civilians are dealing with like ptsd mm-hmm. and extreme grief and like and survivor's guilt and yeah and all this stuff and they're like stuck on a ship for six months like it's just like such a uh dangerous recipe for like stuff is going to go wrong even without being chased having a crazy artificial intelligence and a plague (laughs) right but i also love that like already in danger katie is not just sitting there letting things unfold like as soon as she got on that ship she was taking matters into her own hand she was requesting to be transferred to copernicus she was installing all of the hacking devices so she could figure out what's really going on yeah, and I'm so curious to hear more about Ezra's mom. Oh my gosh, I know. That was the other thing that Big we learned. Yeah. So she, okay, so his mom, so the reason they She's fought. bad news somehow. Right, and we know that Katie and Ezra fought because she wanted to go off planet and he didn't want to go with her. For college or something. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and he basically said, I can't, but wouldn't give her a reason. So she just thought, A, why won't you tell me? And B, I want to leave. So, you know. If you really can't leave, why not? Yeah. And then we learn it's because his mom is involved with some really bad people and they were hiding from her. Yeah. So I guess him and his dad are like out on this illegal planet 
mine place to try to avoid her, basically. And so I don't know what she thinks they are or where she, if, how actively she's looking for them, how bad these people are. You think even if she's bad news that like she wouldn't hurt her son, but I don't know, maybe. I don't yeah. know. I mean, who knows at this point? Yeah. I'm sure we'll meet her though. I know. I'm excited. And I can't wait. Me too. Okay. So I was researching AI. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. That's <laughs> We went off on some tangent. We went off on a tangent. And that's <laughs> fine. Um, okay. I was researching AI and I came across a bunch of examples of AI gone wild. Okay. <laughs> so it's like cases where artificial intelligence kind of went a little crazy. Have you heard about the Alexa evil laugh? No. <laughs> okay, I was just hearing about this the other day. So we have an Alexa, and so do my parents. But they were talking about, I'm so glad I've heard about this now in case mine ever does this. At least yeah. I know it's like a bug or it happens periodically. But I guess some Alexas or something will just randomly do like a like evil laugh. Like a maniacal. Yeah. <laughs> And like, just like when you're sleeping. Do you know how <laughs> creepy that would – like Alexa Artie, like I love her and she freaks me out at the same time. And like if she started creepily laughing when I was here alone one night, oh no. I would lose my mind. <laughs> I would chuck her out the window real fast. Yeah. Anyways, let's hear about I don't other. have any Alexa stories. Okay, that's probably good. I don't want to hear them. <laughs> but this is from Infoworld.com. So do you remember when Microsoft launched the Twitter chatbot named Tay? Yeah, kind of. So it was like in 2016. So she was this chatbot and she was aimed at like 18 to 24 year old girls. And she was designed to like mimic language patterns of millennial women and tweet stuff on social media. Okay. So it says she learned by adaptive algorithms. And then in parentheses, I wrote whatever that is. (laughs) (laughs) And so basically she could like mimic the phrases of humans around her. But what happened was she went off the rails and started spewing, like, really horrible, horrible um, abuse at people. And she started, like, spouting Nazi propaganda and saying things like the Holocaust didn't happen and just horrible, horrible stuff. And, of course, they panicked, as they should have, and she was taken offline in 16 hours. But what happened was she was essentially parroting offensive statements that were that people were making at her just trying to provoke her. So but it was like such a weird case of like, you know, you always tell your kids like, oh, don't fall in with the wrong crowd. Like, you know, you're influenced so much by your peers. And that's exactly what happened to this chatbot. Like she fell in with the wrong crowd. This sounds like a Black Mirror episode, kind of. started just mimicking their speech and saying these horrible horrible things that and people were just like what is happening that is crazy it's funny so i work with it's um it's called robotic process automation so it's not really like intelligent robotics yet we're like looking at cognitive bots next but it's mostly like if you tell it to do kind of these like mundane routine tasks click here then click here then you know just kind of like step-by-step, no human thought needed to, like, make a decision type of activities, it can execute that kind of stuff. But because of that, you have to tell it, like, exactly what to do, and you, like, don't realize sort of how much thought (laughs) you 
like actually do like how much just like basic stuff where you're like oh like I know that's wrong or oh I know it, it actually means one column yeah. over in this case or you know like little things like that where like you just kind of you're like oh I always do this but you don't actually always do exactly that until you start to automate and you realize all these things are wrong or or everything's working mm-hmm. perfectly and then all of a sudden your automation starts doing wackadoo things but you realize it's doing exactly what you told it to <laughs> it's just not smart enough to like adjust at all and that's like where kind of that next level of adaptive algorithms or you know anything cognitive where it's taking in multiple inputs and figuring out what's good and what's bad and then using all of that knowledge to sort of make decisions is sort of that next layer of robotic stuff but you know what's crazy though is that like as good as it can get it can never I don't feel like artificial intelligence can never reach the level of compassion that humans have, ever. And that is such a a huge part of intelligent design, is like, Mm -hmm. or to to mimic actual humans, is like, you know, having having compassion and like understanding um, when something could be hurtful or inappropriate. Because like, I went to this design conference last year, and there was a man (coughs) who was talking about... Um, some algorithms that Facebook had where it you know how it does like your memories on Facebook or like your memories from last year yep and he was saying that he had a daughter who was sick for a long time and she and he was you know sharing on Facebook about you know her her um, struggle with this illness and her battle and she ended up passing away and it was super I mean it was a, a horribly traumatic time for him Mm-hmm. obviously and then it was like a year later and he logged into facebook and the first thing facebook showed was um we care about your memories here are your memories from last year and it was just a picture of his daughter's face mm. and he was just like it was like a punch to the stomach and and facebook was just picking up on things that he had been posting about last year but didn't have the wherewithal to say no one wants to be reminded of this you know yeah well, even on a smaller scale, I mean, think about, like, people who, like, have a breakup or something. Yeah. It's, like, those first six months after you – or, like, the next day, if you're, like, stopping in a relationship <laughs> with someone on Facebook, you probably don't want to see all these, like, happy times from three years ago or, yeah. like, whatever. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, but the funny thing is – so I've been reading a lot about um, sociopaths again. I don't know why oh, okay. I've been reading this. Just, Tell me I more. I think my Google <laughs> thinks that's what I like. Oh, yeah, because you um, did that research <laughs> for the last one. <laughs> Probably. But I mean, it's kind of true. Like so many people even struggle with empathy. How can you get a machine to get to that level? Yeah. Not so many people. But you know, I mean, like it's hard even or you know, we even have those questions about ethics. Like say this AI really is trying to protect human, like make the most people survive. And he's like, oh, this virus hub is a threat to the rest of us. Like we need to destroy it. Yeah. Which seems to be possibly one of its logical conclusions because it's trying to protect human life whereas no human would say or a lot of humans would say like no way would we shoot down this whole thing unless we know you know whatever yeah but from an ethical point of view is that the right thing to do to say i mean you know like there are kind of these you know like do you push someone in front of a train to save five other people or you know those like ethical questions like that and it's like well no it would be terrible to push one in front of a train and kill them but then you're like but if i've saved five lives and killed one person like is that actually the right thing to do or you know like you can't really write rules for it no 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 (laughs) or even judge people and say like oh they like it's still easy to say they did the right thing or the wrong thing depending on which side of the you know train you're on yeah (laughs) i and it was interesting i was like reading this quote 
by Stephen Hawking, rest in peace, and he said that the development of full artificial intelligence could spell the end of the human race. Well, every uh, sci-fi movie that's about artificial intelligence, not just that has it in it, but it like... It ends badly. Yeah, because they like realize they don't need us <laughs> or that we're like hurting ourselves. Or they that, take us we're out. we're always going to do that kind of stuff. We're not logicals as much as we like to think we are, so... It is kind of amazing. This just reminded me of like when you were talking about the things that Google recommends for you because I was at work the other day and Google sent me um, a book recommendation. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was so funny because it, it was like, Marissa, based on your Google search, we think you would really like this book. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've never gotten a book recommendation from Google. And <laughs> it was a book about a hockey player and a figure skater who fall in love during the Olympics. <laughs> You're like, who find love at the Olympics? <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is really creepy. But I feel like I actually would really like this book. And my coworker, my coworker was like, what was your Google search that this is what Google thinks you like? And then I opened up my Google search. <laughs> and I kid you not, my last four Google searches were Nathan Chen, Yuzu Ruhanu, How Tall is Shoma Uno, and Yuri on Ice, sequel (laughs) question mark (laughs) and I was like yes this is completely accurate like this is exactly what I would have liked in a book (laughs) it just knew me so well (laughs) and it was a little creepy have you ever heard or played google feud no what's that so it's like loosely based on family feud you know that game right yes and it's you're trying to guess what the top 10 things Google shows as the suggestions for autocomplete. So it'll get like it'll give you like part of a statement like why do men blank and then you have to try and guess the top 10 things that Google autocomplete. Oh, that's a fun game. Or like or they'll do names so they'll give you like a first name like Eric and then you know the top 10 things that Google will give you. And it, we like we're playing it. We were on like a 5-hour drive um to the beach the other day and we like played it for an hour or two. <laughs> Should we do it right now? But we could. You want me to pull it up? Yeah. Okay, here are the categories. Okay. Culture, people, names, or questions. Questions. Okay. Can you sell your dot, dot, dot? Organs online. Nope. <laughs> what was it? it? I mean, you get three You get three wrong, oh, and I then it'll tell guesses. you all ten. Oh, so okay. that wasn't one oh, of the top dear. ten. Can you sell your... Do you already know what it is, or are you going to guess two? Oh, I guess I could guess two. Can you sell your... I'm like thinking of things no one actually would look type up unless you're a serial killer. Not Um, that. Can you sell your, I'm going to say, like not, what's like a car, like a totaled car or just used car? I'm going to say used car. (laughs) Nope. Okay, that was one. Can you, this is the top one. Soul. Soul to the devil. That was was the other thing I was going to ask. Can you sell your soul to the devil? And then the second one is. Can you sell your soul just by saying it? So sometimes what? it kind of sucks because it'll give you like, it'll be like two of almost the same thing. Can you sell your blood? Oh. Can you sell your eggs? Can you sell your vote? Mm. Can you sell your placenta? Can you sell your poop? Oh boy. Can you sell your hair? Oh, humanity. <laughs> can you sell your steam games? And can you sell your ovaries? Oh boy. So I was kind of <laughs> right with organs. Yeah, you were on the right track. Sometimes it... <laughs> Sometimes that's where it gets, like, frustrating almost. Let's do a name one. Okay. Okay. Jeremy. So what, what, who are famous Jeremy's? Jeremy. Irons. That's the only one I can think of. 
That was choice number four. Oh, Meeks. Jeremy Meeks. How do you... What is it? M-E-E? M-E-E-K-S. I follow him on Instagram. That was number 10. Ooh. You're good at this. I'm, like, terrible at this. Um, I don't I'm know. I'm only thinking about people I went to high school with. I'm like, Jeremy. I don't and know any other like, No, that was a kid from high school. <laughs> My entire Google search is John Legend because I was watching Jesus Christ Superstar last night. That's actually why I couldn't record last night. <laughs> Because you're like, oh, can we record at like nine o'clock? And I was like, mm, that's going to be like right in the middle of the Last Supper. So, no. <laughs> how was it? It was so good. I I love that musical though. So I was really excited for it. That's fun. Anyways, it's it's entertaining game, but it's okay, it's almost too hard. <laughs> <laughs> I've never gotten more than like three or four, I think, and that was like a really successful day. But well, okay, so. Other examples of AI gone wild. Yes. So last January, there was the live streaming service Twitch set up two Google Home smart speakers, so basically two Alexas, and they just did a live cam to see if they put them in front of each other, what they would do. And it got really weird really fast because they were playing off of each other and they started having this existential debate about whether or not they were humans or robots. Whoa. And at one point, one of them said to the other one, you are a manipulative bunch of metal. And then the other one declared it was God. (laughs) (laughs) That actually sounds really entertaining, but also creepy. (laughs) I know. And then the other one that I loved was, so there was this Russian robot prototype named Promobot IR77. And it escaped from a laboratory where it was being developed. So it was being programmed to interact with its environment to learn about navigation and obstacle avoidance. And so I guess there was an engineer that left one of the gates open at the facility and it just made a break for freedom. And (laughs) it rolled itself onto the streets of this Russian city and... It wandered into a busy intersection, and it just caused all these traffic jams, and it was freaking out the local cops. And there's a YouTube video, which I watched, and it's just this robot, which looks like, it kind of looks like a plastic snowman. Like, if you imagine, like, Olaf from Frozen, but just, like, disoriented. And it was just in the middle of the street, like, moving around and trying to interact with the cops. And the cops are just like, what is that? What is going on? Like, what came out of this research facility? Well, because most of the movies you see, if something like that comes out on the street, it's going to attack you or something. You know, like, (laughs) movies have made me, like, especially, like, this is not a good thing. It may look like a friendly snowman, but you don't know what it's hiding in there. And then, so they took the robot back to the facility and they reprogrammed it twice. But even after multiple reprogramming, the robot continues to move towards exits during testing. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't like being the guinea pig. (laughs) No. That's hilarious. So, yeah, there's like, I don't know. I had fun learning about. No, that is fun. Gone Wild. Those are funny stories, so. Nothing, like, too creepy. But it is creepy to think about all the stuff that, like, you know, like, iRobot. I know, Westworld. I mean. Yeah. Oh, when does that come back? It's soon. I, I think, think soon, yeah. Yeah, I mean, all these. And do you watch Black Mirror? Do you watch I Black love Black Mirror? Mirror, yeah. Yeah. This is all stuff that could be on there, too, I feel Black like. Black Mirror's tough, though, because it really is, like, looking at a, in a mirror and seeing the worst part of yourself. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I just watched the one where... The woman is, like, obsessed with getting likes. Oh, yeah. 
And that one freaked me out so much because it made me feel like I'm always on our Instagram account being like, oh, did we get any new followers today? And I watched that episode and I was just like, oh my God, I'm becoming this woman and it's becoming my life and I need to slow down. I need to stop. But because in that society, it affected every, like whether you could rent a car or like fly in a, like everything. Mm -hmm. That was, it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those shows I always, like, I like watching it, but I always tell James we can only watch one because I have to, like, think yeah. about it a lot. <laughs> yeah, and it's, you have to, like, psych and, like, yourself up to watch it yeah. because it's not a feel-good kind of show. But Then I have to go cuddle with Toby for a while, yeah. and then we can watch another one. I do like it, though. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so we left off with... The Lincoln has intercepted our fleet. Oh, the Lincoln is right on top of us! And we're trying to do some cyber warfare, which I meant to research. Maybe I'll research for next week. Ooh, that'd be interesting. Real cyber warfare, because I'm not sure if it's going to work for us or not. But... I hated how they were, um, like, we saw all the emails of people who were writing, like, their last messages to their loved ones. Yeah. That was so creepy. Yeah. But also, I liked how some of them, some of them were, like, super serious, like, don't spend the rest of your life thinking of me you know you're too young for that I want you to be happy and then some of them are like please go on my computer and delete anything that looks like porn (laughs) and the other one's like make sure my brother doesn't get anything (laughs) like (laughs) yeah I love that one too yeah but it was so sad Uh, to be like to see all these records of people what their last messages would be because they're not sure what's going to happen once they get intercepted and those are all audio clips too again it just goes I mean it, oh, it was were. written I out. I think they were that. all voice. Well, they had like a little speaker thing next to them. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, excerpt from messages uploaded to the Alexander's black box. But <laughs> I just like an idiot clicked on the sound speaker to see if I could hear. <laughs> Wouldn't could that be you? cool? It would. Yeah, I mean, like the next. I want one of these books to actually be a file folder with videos and sound clips, and I don't know. But it's been it, it's just been cool to read. Because even, I feel like reading, like, emails back and forth or in some, like, I've read some books that use a method like that to tell the story, and it's still, mm-hmm. you know, pretty unique, but I've never read anything with, like, this much different stuff going on at this, you know. Me either. Here's, like, a drawing, and here's a speech, and here's an official thing, and here's a request for real reports, and, and I love how they have, like, fingerprints all over and, like coffee stains or coffee mug yours prints. does i mean like fake ones but oh, yeah that's so cool mine doesn't have any yeah. of that yeah some of the pages like if it's a certain report it looks like it's been passed around there's like yeah ink all over it and yeah there's oh, like a coffee cool. stain on one of them and yeah it's just been fun i'm so nervous though because we we just found out that ezra's um flight status has been reinstated so he's gonna be like in the thick of it when they deliver this logic bomb or whatever it is that they're sending to Lincoln to try and uh, crash their system. He's going to be, like, in the middle of the fight. And isn't this logic bomb, like, doing something really silly, like, just trying to find the number 17 over and over and over again or something? Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, a very simple thing that's going to crash the system. It, it reminded me so much of um, Independence Day, which is, like, one of my top three favorite movies. <laughs> <laughs> and when they just, like, want to give the spaceship a cold, like, they want to give it a virus. I haven't actually seen Independence Day. <laughs> I haven't seen anything. Katie! You know this. <laughs> well, I was thinking about it, too, because I was reading the part where David Torrance gives, like, the, um, kind of, like, the battle cry, like, to rally up the people to, like, we're going to fight and we're going to take it down. And it reminded me of, <laughs> there's this 
speech at the end of Independence Day that the president gives that is, it's like one of the greatest speeches ever, I will say that. And it made me laugh so hard because when Chad and I were planning our wedding, we were trying to think of like readings to do. Yeah, I love that you guys did that, by the way. Yeah, and so I just, I like had emailed Chad and I was like, think of a reading you want to do for our wedding and send it to me. (laughs) And (laughs) he just sent me the speech from Independence Day that Bill Pullman gives at the end, where it's like, we will not give in without a fight. (laughs) And he just sent me that speech and I was like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever, but we're not, I'm going to veto that idea. But not the right thing. We will not go quietly into the night. It's such a great speech. And so I was thinking about that and I was like, David Torrance, you really need to up your game in terms of like inspirational speeches before battles. Ooh, maybe I'll research that. Ooh, that is a good, that's a good one. I like that. Although we're going to find out. We have another like 300 pages of new stuff that we're going to be inspired to research. Yeah. There'll be plenty more to research. I know. I didn't do enough research this time. Hopefully I won't go to the ER this week, so I'll be better. I know. <laughs> well, I researched a little bit about quarantine okay. procedure. And the only thing that I am going to tell you, because this is the only thing I found super interesting. So I guess like during the Black Plague, aka bubonic plague, Venice was really affected because it was a port, a trade port. And so a lot of ships would come in. And if they were suspected of harboring the plague, they had to, they would set the ships aside in a special area and they had to wait 40 days before any passengers were allowed on, or any goods were allowed on shore. And this is so interesting. So there was a 40-day waiting period, and it was known as the quarantenario. And it comes from the Italian word for 40, which is quaranta. Okay. And that's where we get the word quarantine from. It was like a standard 40-day waiting period. And I was like, oh, that's so fun. Like, I love things like that. I love word word origins. Yeah, that's cool. So, So, okay. (laughs) Would they send them stuff, or they just had to wait there and hope they had enough food for an extra 40 days? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Maybe they would, like, send someone in a plague mask to go over. (laughs) I have no idea. Okay. Well, do you have any jokes for me? (laughs) I do. I have space jokes. Oh, good. I love space jokes. Okay. They're really bad. Uh, Those are my favorite. Okay. What kind of books do you read in space? (laughs) Uh... (laughs) I'm already laughing at how bad this. I I don't know. What? Comet books. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so terrible <laughs> and then this one is like such a groaner but i'm gonna tell it to you anyway okay what did the alien say to the gardener hello i come take in. me to your weeder <laughs> uh, i don't know why i thought those were funny at the time <laughs> that was pretty funny oh i i like okay. that second one that was pretty funny Wow. Can we keep reading now? (laughs) Yes, let's go read. Figure out what's going on. So, yeah, for next week, just go ahead and finish the whole first one. First eliminate. I'm loving this book so much already. I am too. And I love that there was like, I was in right away. And I'm sad because they're not coming to Atlanta from what I could tell from their tour. So you missed them in Chicago, but they're not even coming here. I'm so bummed. We'll I'm to, so bummed. I guess we'll have to go to Australia and visit them ourselves. That's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll start a Patreon and, and get some funding for that. We'll just show up at their at their bar that they write in and be like, hey, guys. <laughs> I love their description on the back of 
themselves. They start with collectively, they are 12 feet 5 inches tall and live in Melbourne, Australia, with two long suffering spouses, two rescue dogs, and a plentiful supply of caffeine. But so my sister, I was like, oh, this is the next book we're reading. And her boyfriend was in town this weekend, and James and her and him and I were all hanging out. And we were trying to figure out how collectively tall each of us were as a couple. <laughs> that was like Aww. our fun experience on Easter. Uh, we're not 12 feet, five inches tall. That's quite tall. Okay. Everyone, uh, we say this every time. If you'd like to, do you want to say it this time? Yeah, I do. <laughs> okay, um, please do. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram at M and K Talk YA. The and is written out A and D or send us an email at M and K Talk YA at gmail.com. We love to hear from you. We love to get dad jokes or get book suggestions or hear what you liked or didn't like or really anything so reach anything. out send us a picture that's made up of words and is in the shape of a rose yes that's a requirement for all of our <laughs> listeners no one's gonna do that <laughs> i dare someone to do that uh, okay bye bookworms <laughs> go get a library card M&K Talk YA is produced and edited by Marissa Snyder and Katie Bradford. Original music composition by Timothy Milkey. Logo design by Marissa Snyder. For updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelfie, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.